You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. 6.25-40 When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Amen. Thank you, Susan. Have you ever used the expression, uh, the best thing since sliced bread? I, I don't know where that, I, I've heard that ever since I was a child. So it's, you know, well beyond 60 years of, of time. It, it's, it's been out there. Um, well, in this particular storyline, uh, Jesus is saying, I'm the best thing to come to you since bread, all right? Forget sliced bread, but since you've known bread, I am the best thing that you could ever experience. Um, in fact, Jesus is, is better in such, uh, such an amazing way uh, that it's probably, in, in a lot of ways, beyond our understanding, even beyond our imagination, really. Um, and Jesus has this wonderful way uh, finding some things, these metaphors, if you will, to compare himself to. Things that are, are like everyday objects, you know, uh, to, things that his listeners can relate to, they can, can like identify with. These are things that they easily recognize. And, and there are actually seven of them uh, in, in John's writings. Um, and we did start to look at them last week when we began this series on, on recenter, looking at Jesus through his metaphors. Um, we considered the Good Shepherd last week, and so now we're looking at this area uh, of Jesus as the bread of life. So we're considering actually the first of his I am's, if you will, because all through uh, his writings, he talks about himself in these particular meta- metaphors, and for seven of them, he actually says, I am. Am and this is the first one. He says, "I am the bread of life." And you, you can, I mean, this chapter six of John is just—it's a powerful, amazing passage. Um, and Susan just read part of 
that chapter to you, which is a fairly long chapter, and we don't really have time to read it all. But, but uh, I don't think we can fully get to grips with what Jesus is saying here if we don't sort of understand a little bit before and a little bit after here. Uh, so I'd, I'd like to kind of start there um, and, and, and talk for just a moment about where, where this chapter be, begins um, and I think that, w- that will help us. So let's, uh, let's just think a moment about what is happening, uh, and let me describe that to you. Before this moment, this, this engagement, if you will, between Jesus uh, and, and these people here, okay? The chapter begins with this account of Jesus, and he's miraculously feeding uh, 5,000 people. And so it's a story that, that most people are, are familiar with. It's a huge crowd. They, they gather uh, together to listen to Jesus, and they're so enthralled, if you will, uh, by his words. And so they, they stay beyond the dinner hour, okay? They stay beyond their meal time, if you will. Um, and Jesus uses uh, a, a really young lad, uh, his picnic, if you will, uh, these five bread rolls and uh, a couple of fish. And he takes these and he does this miraculous thing and he feeds the entire crowd. He multiplies the bread, he multiplies the fish out. And so here in this story, he is actually feeding the entire crowd of people. And the people obviously find this pretty impressive but they want to see more. Uh, they, they want even more than this particular miracle or this particular uh, event here. And, and, and no doubt, this, this experience of, of free food it, it may have well been something to do with their intrigue or with their curiosity. But let's not mistake uh, the, the, whole, the whole idea here that's going on. Verse 14, it says, They say to him, Surely... This is the prophet who is to come into the world. Surely this is that, that prophet that is supposed to come. The, the one that's been written about, the one that's been foretold, the one that, that the rabbis speak of. Uh, this must be him. So they're equating this, this miracle far beyond just getting fed, just some free food here. They, they're starting to see something and sense something here that is far more profound for them than just that, well, here's another guy who, who did a magic trick or, 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 or did something, to, you know, that, that got our attention or, or whatever. Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Now, for the Jews of the time, this was a very strong idea uh, that when the Messiah, this, this prophet, uh, whom they were very eagerly waiting for now, uh, finally appears, one of the signs uh, that will follow him or be with him would be that he would produce manna, this bread from heaven, if you will, okay? And, and if you go back and look at some of the books that were written between the time of the Old Testament uh, and the coming of Jesus, not those that are in our Bible, but o- other writings, there were oftentimes a number of, of references to this happening, that this, this prophet, this Messiah, when he comes, he would do miraculous things. And one of those miraculous things that would be attributed to him is that he would produce this, this bread from heaven, if you will, this, this manna, this this thing to eat, if you will, all right? And, and you know, you, a, another Bible story just pops in right here that when we start talking about manna and we make those kinds of references, and, and that is the Old Testament passage where, where we remember from 
the, the scriptures that Moses, when he was leading the people out of Israel, out of the uh, leading the people of Israel out of slavery and out of Egypt, that um, they were entering their, their their freedom, if you will, their their homeland. He provides this strange kind of food, if you will, to all of the people, and it was called manna. All right. Um, now we don't. We don't know a lot about this manna. We just know that, that it was provided for the Israelites. It was provided every day. They gathered it each day. If they held it over, it would rot. It wouldn't be useful the next day. So they got each day what they needed, all right? So this story in Exodus 16 is, is, is what I want you to, to, to kind of follow up with in your Bible reading this week. Go back and read this story and then look at what Jesus is saying here. See, the new Messiah would have been uh, w- one who would carry or have or exemplify uh, many of the, the, uh, the sort of the, the qualities, if you will, or the characteristics of Moses, all right? Uh, so it would be very natural for the Israelites to assume that providing food from nowhere uh, would be one of those characteristics that would identify this prophet, okay? And, and so sort of like spurred on with this event and, and, and the fact that their bellies were now satisfied. I mean, they felt the benefit of this miracle here in a very tangible way. They are intrigued. Their curiosity has, has sort of like, you know, exploded here. And so they're wanting to understand. They're, they're wanting uh, to know what's going on. Who is this guy? What, what's he all about? What's his story, if you will? And Jesus sort of realizes that this is happening. Um, and so he kind of sets off to set himself apart from the people. Um, and as he says in, in uh, verse 15, uh, he doesn't want them to try to make him a king right there, you know. And, and if you look at the, the Easter story in Palm Sunday, you find that this is something that people want. They're looking for a king. They're looking for a deliverer. These are people coming out of bondage, you know, in a sense. The Israelites came out of bondage in Egypt. And the parallel here is that, that these Israelites are still in bondage. They're still in darkness. And they're still looking for this amazing Messiah who one day is going to come. And once again, they're going to be this free people, this free nation, if you will. And, and they're going to experience the joy of this freedom. All right? So, when these people catch up with Jesus... This sort of discussion begins. And it seems fairly safe, I think, for us to, to assume that, that this is taking place, you know, as, as Jesus is, is moving around or, 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 or moving ab- about. But, but if you go down further and you look at, at verse 59 in this passage, you find Jesus in the synagogue there. And, uh, and, and one of the first things that they ask him uh, in this process of him going from the lake to the synagogue and these exchanges that are going on and these people that are coming and going and all of this, uh, is, is there another miraculous sign? You know, they're, they're, they're trying to process this as they go here. And so they, in verse 30, they want to know, is there some other sign? Is, is there something else that would, like, authenticate for us that you are this Messiah? You know, can you, can you do another one? Uh, you know, do it again. Come on, do something else. Do something bigger, you know. Uh, and, 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 of course, they, they just had a sign, but it was simply providing food for 5,000 one afternoon. Now, you've got to keep in mind their perspective here. Moses, 
their great father, they say, provided food for an entire nation, not just 5,000, and he provided food every day for 40 years. So, from their perspective, a meal one afternoon by the lake for 5,000 just isn't going to quite do it. So, they need, to, they need something else here, all right? Now, they've had this sign, but, but they, they need something else. And, and, and to back up their demand here, they actually quote from the Old Testament, and they say that, that he gave them bread from heaven to eat in verse 31. He gave them bread from heaven. Now, that's not a a single quotation. You can find that. uh, You can can back that up in Exodus and Nehemiah and the Psalms and all of that. Okay, but but that was the reality is that as Moses led them through to go to the promised land in this 40 years of wandering, he took care of them. All right, he... He was the one they looked to for their provision and for their need. And all of this happened as he was leading them. So, so Jesus now takes this opportunity to kind of take this quotation that they throw at him. All right. And they say, this is what Moses did. He gave the Israelites bread from heaven to eat. All right. And so, uh, and, and don't forget now, Jesus is a rabbi teacher. Uh, it wouldn't seem at all unusual that, that he would sit down with these people and he would talk to them or sort of preach to them, teach them. What follows is, is, is really a message by Jesus in which it's very typical of the style of the rabbis. And he begins to expound. He begins to, to talk to them, all right? And so what he does is very interesting in verses 32 and 33 of this passage is that he begins to correct the wrong idea. All right, he begins to, to talk to them and he begins to, to deal with this, this kind of wrong thinking that they have here. And, and so he actually starts out this sort of discourse, if you will, by saying to them, this is what it doesn't mean. All right, this is what I want you to understand. He says, it wasn't Moses who provided the manna for them. It was God. And so he, he tries to clear it up right here, right up front. And, and, and all of there, all, all, of, all of our regular provision and food obviously comes from God. Um, so, so, so there was nothing special here, Jesus is saying, about the power of Moses as far as that was concerned. I want you all to understand that, he says, okay? I want you to realize that, that this isn't Moses doing some miracle, but this is God working through Moses to bring this about. And secondly, he clears clears up or clarifies it that God gives his people as he says the true bread from heaven and what he's saying is there's there's a bread beyond manna there's something that satisfies beyond the flesh the manna was a a means of of meeting their material needs but there is this bread that is able to do far more than that. This bread that is really heavenly, that is very spiritual. And Jesus uh, will go on to expand on this point later on. But what he's saying here is that, that the bread in the desert, the manna, it, it was really only uh, a type, if you will. It was really only something that, that points to a greater, more true bread that we can have now. 
And, and so we start to see this types and shadows dynamic of Jesus in, in the Old Testament. And we see him sort of bringing it out. And then thirdly, he, he goes further here and he says, This bread that gives life not only to God's people now, but it, and in a material sense, but it gives life, he says, life to the world. So the power of the true bread goes far beyond anything that, that we can expect of ordinary bread. Even far beyond what, what the people came to expect of the miraculous bread in the desert. It's there and it's for them. God has, has provided it. So, so having begun in that way, Jesus then begins to preach sort of to them this message or exhort them in this message in which he kind of breaks this whole thing up and explains it to the people, all right? And so he's saying there's a greater bread than the bread that the Israelites got in the desert. And honestly, you need to understand that they didn't get that bread from Moses. He wasn't the miracle worker. It was God. So God gave this bread, but there's a greater bread, and God has given that bread. Now, by this point, you got to know they are like, Oh my goodness, you know, there's anticipation, there's expectation, there's wonder, there's curiosity, there's doubt, there's all kinds of things that's, that's going on here. And, and, and then just like a really good preacher, if you will, um, Jesus sort of gives them this, this intro line, you know, to get their attention. And, and I think he does. He looks at them and says, I am the bread of life. Wow. I, I'm sure that if there was any noise anywhere, it just, it just stopped. I am the bread of life. In other words, he's not only the giver of this bread, he is the bread. He is the bread. That's, that's the whole fullness of this, this. The true bread that has come down from heaven is Jesus himself. And, and as he's just pointed out, that bread gives life to the world. So now we have these listeners, if you will, all right? And, and, and they're all human beings, and, and uh, they're, they're stuck very much in the material world, just like we are. And so their conception of what all of this means is limited for them, uh, as it is for many of us. Heaven was the sky, and the manna literally fell from the sky uh, but Jesus is, is going way beyond that idea. He's, he's picking them up, so to speak, and he's moving them way beyond this idea, if, if you will. And he's saying, this bread has come. This bread is from God the Father. And he has sent me into the world, his son, to be that means of life for everyone. It's another one of those, like, amazing aha moments for Jesus where he just he just blows it all up you know he just he just comes in with this revelation of himself who he who he is and what he's saying is hey I have been sent from heaven to open up this thing called life and verse 40 he makes it very very clear and, and that, that this is a life that, that stretches way outside of the here and the now. It's, just, it's very beyond the moment. It's very beyond what maybe your, your personal need might be, your felt need might be in the moment. All right? It is eternal life. 
And it's, it's for anyone who, who would eat of this bread, and re, in other words, would respond to Jesus. And he goes so far as to say at the end of what Susan read to you that these would be raised up on the last day. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I am that resurrection. <laughs> you don't know that yet. You don't, you don't get that yet. But you need to understand something. Anyone who eats of me will be raised up with me. He is, he is laying out the most amazing and unbelievable foundation right here, okay? But, but here's the thing. At this point, he's giving the Jews something to really chew on here. That is not a pun intended there at all, okay? Uh, but, but metaphorically, he's speaking here, and, and, and he, he, he begins to... To, to talk to them, and they begin to mumble. You know, they begin to, to kind of talk among themselves. And the idea here is like, well, who is this guy? You know, and, and, and they would answer that question by saying, well, he's the son of the carpenter who lives, you know, just over there. You know, so, so they, they try to bring Jesus back down. Jesus just explodes who he is out there. And so they try to bring him back down and and they're thinking things in their head like what right has he got to say such things you know usually today we would be more polite we wouldn't speak out in the the church service and ask those kinds of questions we would tend to wait until the preacher had preached and the service was over and we had gone to lunch and then we would talk about (laughs) what the preacher said and what he did and what he didn't do and how he should have done it and if it would have been me I would have done it this way and I'm as guilty as the next person about such things but that's that's how we would do it but they are talking right there they are they are mumbling and 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 carrying on these conversations right there and so jesus as they give voice to their criticisms he is prompted to speak to them and uh and it's amazing because he speaks to them out of this sense of uh all right you've been given the bread and he's going a little further and elaborating and saying what good this is we're now down to about verse 40 41 somewhere along in there he's he's saying what basically what point is it for you to have bread you can't eat so um, well i mean we have bread we can't eat sometimes um sometimes when we have a special service and Jeannie decorates she makes fake bread all right or it's real bread but you wouldn't want to eat it because it's painted or something you know it's like she does this you know and that bread is just sitting there for you to look at all right but it's imagery it, it's to it's to convey a message you know uh the, the real bread is available but that's just a a bread for you to to look at and and she's done a lovely job of making it pretty all right, it, it looks good. But Jesus is saying, what good is that? In, in the bigger scheme of things, you know, it's not just something to look at. It's not just something to, to talk about, you know. And, and, and the, the other question with that is, you know, from, from our perspective is, well, why would he refer to himself in this sort of um, everyday carbohydrate sort of base food stuff? 
You know, why, why, why would he use this? It's, it's, that's not so inspiring. All right. Well, he, he's trying to make a point here that he is the true bread, the, the real means of life that the Father has sent down from heaven that is to be received by everyone. Just as manna or our ordinary, ordinary daily bread you know, is to be received and to, to be consumed, it's, it's to be used by us. Jesus is saying, I am to be received. But I'm not there for you to look at. I, I'm not there for you to, to make pretty little arrangements of. I'm not there for people to just talk about. I have come down from heaven. My Father has sent me from heaven as the bread that you are to receive that will be broken for you in order that you might have the fullness and the richness of an eternal life. And this is important and this is powerful here. So we go not, not just to the first point of he gave them bread that was from heaven. But that bread is to eat. You are to partake of it. You are to, you're to take it in. One writer writes this and he, and, and, and he says right up front, he says, I want you all to forgive me because I'm going to do this sort of ethnic culinary stereotyping here. But he says it's not a question of like the Hindus being papadoms or the Muslims being non or New Agers being some kind of whole wheat bloomer or the Christians being nice evenly sliced stuff. And you just take your pick and you all eat it and you all go to paradise. It's not the way this works, folks. As we saw last week, the metaphor of the good shepherd. Jesus is the chief shepherd, the gate, the way in to God, and there is no other. And this is what Jesus is laying out here. I'm, I'm your bread. He actually doesn't talk about the good shepherd until further into the chapter here. This is the first metaphor that he uses here that I'm talking to you about today. And, 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 and it's, 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 a, it's a very beautiful and important one. But the good shepherd is going to take care of you. But Jesus is that bread that there is no other like it. All right? As a matter of fact, Peter... And he would have been with Jesus when he was saying all, all of these things. He told the magistrates in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 4. He says, hey, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given by which we must be saved. There's just no other way. You, you're not, you can't do it any other way but through the, the true bread of life. That is the bread from heaven which we must receive and we must digest, all right? There's a, there's a piece in, in, in the old book of common prayer. It's used for Bible Sunday, and, and people read it out as a prayer, and it says, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the Word of God. In other words, there's, there's a point where, where you move to this place of relationship, where you have this, this ongoing intimacy, where you feed. You know, there's, there's a more contemporary song out that says, eat the word. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, it really doesn't matter how, how, you, how you package that so much there, as that you understand that it is Jesus himself who is saying, I am from the Father, and you need to accept me as being true, that I am the Son of God, and then you need to eat of me. You need to digest me. You need to bring me in to becoming your spiritual sustenance. So your spirit man is growing just as your fleshly man or woman is growing. You have this relationship with God through the bread of life whereby you are growing. You are being spiritually nourished and you are taking that in. If you're not doing that, then you are at best anemic in a sense, because you're not getting all of the, the nutrients that, that you need spiritually, okay? So Jesus sort of, sort of backs this up uh, with, with, with other scriptures. You can study those. You can go through them, if you, if you will. But what he's trying to say here and what he's trying to teach us here is, and what we need to know here is that I am the eternal life. I am God's Son who has come down from heaven. And that's the whole last point here is that, that there is... There is no other option. He is the bread that is given by the Father. He has come to the earth, and there is no other bread. And if you're going to be able to follow him fully, that means that you eat. And he went so far as to describe that in this passage. So now we're, we're down to about verse 52 or so, where he starts to talk about this idea of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And that probably would have caused quite an uproar in the day. The law of Moses specifically forbid eating meat uh, and drinking uh, blood, uh, especially eating meat that blood is still in it, those kinds of things. Even just talking about it sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? All right. You know, uh, and, and, and to drink human blood for us, that, that's beyond belief. We, we would not think about that normally all right that's not that would not be table talk for sure okay um so so what is what is jesus about here what is what is he doing i think the key is in is in verse 56 where where uh what is required is not just an you know an assimilation of facts of uh or or even the consent of your own mind to the ideas of jesus um that's really kind of just just head knowledge and 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 that's a bit Sterile. That's a bit um, meaningless, if you will. All right, uh, just to have some knowledge in your head, just to know who this Jesus is, uh, and that that's all you need for eternal life. Because if that's the case, then all you need to do is, is take a class or or read a book. All right, um, and and that way you would just get to heaven, assuming that you took the option for Christianity. All right, um, but no, Jesus is saying that that we need to we need to fill our minds, we need to fill our bodies, we need to fill our whole beings with Him. All right, we're, we're, to, we're to be a part of him and he a part of us. So this means a total commitment, if you will, in which, which every part of our life is lived for Jesus. And Jesus is involved in all that we do. Now, probably hasn't escaped your notice here that as we, as we talk about this and as we move through these ideas with Jesus here, he's using some words and phrases that are very reminiscent of the words that we use as part of our communion. And that is our, our expression of what we believe about Jesus. And next week, David's going to work with the metaphor of the vine. And then uh, on the 24th, I'm going to 
work with the metaphor of living water and uh, that week we're going to partake of communion together and, and part of our goal here with these particular metaphors that we're talking about is that, that we help communion to become more meaningful for all of us that it, it isn't just ritual it isn't just sitting on this thing and, and once in a while we do it and some of you wonder why we do it and others of you wonder why we don't do it more and all that kind of stuff but it, but it is like there is an anticipation on the part of all of us looking forward to this time together where we, we enjoy and we partake of Holy Communion. And, and understanding this all better through these metaphors, hopefully, is going to actually pave the way for it to become more sacred for all of us. That we have this, this sense of awe about it and that we connect with it. It makes sense to us. And we understand it because we are experiencing the bread of life. We are experiencing the vine. All right? It's not just up here in our heads somewhere. It's not just lofty thoughts or lofty ideas or metaphors that are unengaging or, or that we're not connected to. But we actually begin to understand that we need to partake of Him. We need to have these, these moments of connection, if you will. It's like the symbol sounding, all right? I, 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 last night I was thinking, goodness, I should talk to Wade and just get a, 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 some symbols and just have them come up here and just clang them together. But, and that's the amazing thing about communion, is, is communion is that moment that is so holy and so sacred, and it's quiet, and it's reverent, and it's high in some sense. It's marvelous. But at that moment... That's when you, in that solemn moment, in that quiet, still moment, in that, that blinking of an eye, you should hear that cymbal just sound out. It should reverberate you inside as a spiritual man or woman because this is the holy bread of God that... Excuse me, I'm sorry. This is the holy bread of God that has come down from heaven for you. Not to be showbread on a table. Not to be just a metaphor. Not to be just representative. But this is your moment to encounter the living God through His Son Jesus. Knowing this power of forgiveness. And the ability to be called the son or the daughter of the most high God. It's amazing to me. John doesn't include a single detail about the account of the Last Supper in his gospel. But this right here is so powerful. It, it has to bring everybody around to that narrative, if you will, that is, is so beautifully presented in the other gospels. But John just has this wonderfully unique way to take these metaphors and make it come alive that Jesus pulled from. And that's the beauty of Jesus is he didn't get high and lofty and out there somewhere ethereal and surreal. He actually, as he did, literally come down to earthiness. Pulled from things like bread and a vine and water. And all these things to say, look people, see me. This is who I am. And as the bread of life, Jesus is inviting us to become so 
committed to Him, so full of Him, so rich that ordinary bread, whatever that might be for you, won't satisfy your soul anymore. No matter where you go to eat, no matter what kind of bread, that's just old bread, that's just stale bread. That bread can't do what Jesus can do for you. Because He is the true bread. And so Jesus, as, as we commit ourselves to Him, he, as we develop this relationship with Him, as we learn about Him and from Him, He honestly, people, He wants to be a part of our lives. He wants to have an effect on us. on on what we say and what we do and how we interpret life. He wants to be the grid that everything is coming through. If you go down a little bit further to verses about 60 to down about 70 in that that chapter. I told you it's a long chapter. John tells us that the reaction of the people who heard this message from Jesus was, was varied. Some of them grumbled and they thought it, it was all a bit hard to accept and so they, they didn't want to. You, we never hear from those people again. Uh, so they probably just said, nah, that's, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Some, some gave up and left right then and there. They, were just, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't swallow it. They couldn't handle it. And uh, there was no commitment to Jesus in them at all. But there was a few there, including the 12 disciples. And they stuck with it. And Peter summed up their, their view Uh, when he told Jesus that however difficult a real commitment could prove to be, he said, there really isn't anyone else for us to go to. There's no one else. Why? Because you, Jesus, have the keys to eternal life. So we can't go anywhere else. There's nothing else that's going to satisfy. And so my question to you is which group do you come into? Jesus wants to be the bread of life for you. But that demands a response. That demands a a contentment. I so appreciated so many of you who stood up last week when you began began to to integrate the good shepherd into your relationship with Jesus and you saw that and you began to stand up and and in that act of standing up, you entered into worship and to praise of this good shepherd, this Jesus. So appreciated that, that engagement that happened in, in that moment. But as I preach about the bread and preach this to you this way, it, it, dem- it puts a demand on you. And that is a demand for that commitment. Either that commitment initially new and fresh or uh, that commitment renewed in your heart today. And, and what will you do? Will it be something that, that some of us would just grudgingly do as a sort of a half-hearted attempt? I pray not. Only Because if, if that's the way it is, you're just going to give up when it gets tough. All right? Are you, you're going to walk out of here this morning and, and never really get to, to grips with what Jesus has for you? Are you never, never really going to like reach into that fullness of life, that abundant life that he has for you? Are you just going to stay, stay on, the, on the edge of this thing? Heaven forbid that you should be the person who stands outside the bakery and just looks in the window. I remember my last trip to, to England. I went into Chinatown 
And I didn't realize that, that the, the Asian people had such amazing, beautiful bakeries. And they, they, they baked these elaborate goods and they put them in the window. And I looked at them and I stared at them. And I thought I would love to sample that. And, and I went on my way. I didn't go in and, and, and buy the bread. I went on my way. And as it got dark, I went back to the place I was staying for the night. Um, and, and I went to bed. And I remember as I laid down in bed, I was still hungry. And my mind and my, my heart went back to that window. But I was the guy who stood on the outside, who looked at it, but never went in but went back and fell asleep hungry for something I had seen but didn't experience. I don't want you to walk out of here this morning like that. But I want you to say, you know, it, it might be tough. It might, my life might have some, some challenges in front of me, but the reality is Jesus is my only hope. I don't have any other answers. I don't have anything else. And so I've got to believe. I've got to receive. I've got to commit myself to Him. And that's where we find ourselves. Jesus says, He is saying to you and I this morning, I am the bread of life. What are we going to do with it? Christina, will you come and would you close us with the gospel this morning? Martin Luther said that in Jesus we see the God who is for us. And this passage in John says exactly that. In Jesus we see the God who is for us. We see God the Father who sent God the Son to give us life, to feed us. Uh, think of a parent feeding their child. That parent is for the child. Um, he does, the parent does everything they can to give that child good life. God is for us. He sends us the things that we need, and we needed Jesus, so he sent Jesus. And Jesus uh, taught us about God the Father, and he died for us, and he rose from the dead. And he is willing to share that victory over death with us because he is for us. And so Jesus then ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of God now praying for you, um, sending the Holy Spirit to you and to me, and he will return, and he will raise us from the dead. And so if you want to be with the God who is for you, please take that opportunity right now. I'm going to ask our prayer teams to come up, and if you want to pray with anyone or talk with anyone, uh, now is a great time to do that. God is for you. He is for me. He is for us. Um, and he is inviting you um, to be with him. And anyone else who wants to come forward and, and uh, bring your prayers and your thoughts um, please, please feel free to do that. So the prayer teams can come up. I'm going to say a short prayer, um, and then we'll be dismissed. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are for us, that you gave your whole life for us so that we can, um, we can be all the things that you wanted us to be. And uh, we, I pray now for each one of us in this room that you would send your Holy Spirit to help us know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you love us, that you are for us, uh, that you are good and that we can trust you. And we thank you for all those things, that they are all true. In Jesus' name, amen.